0: Good, Justin. I I didn't hear. It. Justin
1: Of my days until You came, and now I see all that You've done for me. You stepped down from Your glory to prove You were for The cry of the ransomed, and now the dead is paid So this is my story, I will never carry that way. single sin is erased because of your grace you step down from your glory to prove you were for me and now the dead is paid and I will sing with abandon the cry of the ransomed and now the dead is paid Glory to prove you were for me and now the dead is pain, and I will sing with abandon the cry of the ransom that now the dead is pain, death is defeated, death is defeated. Forever defeated Oh, death is defeated Thank God my debt is paid. Oh, death is defeated Forever defeated Oh, death is defeated, thank God my death is paid, you stepped down from your glory, to prove you were for me, and now the debt is paid, and I will sing with the then the cry of the ransomed, and now the debt is paid. Cause You stepped down from Your glory To prove You were for me And now the dead is paid And I will sing with abandon The cry of the ransomed And now the dead is paid
0: Good morning Carpenter's Way. I don't think I was on that. Sorry, rookie mistake. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing all right? Uh, Hey, if you're in the room, if you want to stand and worship with us, you're more than welcome. You do not have to. Don't feel like pressured, but if you want to stand with us, you're more than welcome. Uh, If you're checking us out online, uh, say it every week. We're going to say it again. Uh, Don't be a spectator. Uh, Join in with us this morning.
2: his love he became immortal he wore flesh and bone so that we would never walk alone I'm not alone cause everywhere I'm going All my days. He understands my sorrows, discouragement, and pain. He felt my temptation and
1: overcame. He overcame. Cause everywhere I'm going, he's already been. You make me strong every wall. Sometimes I'm strong Sometimes I'm weak Sometimes I fall In my wandering But through it all There's just one thing More precious than The air I breathe Grace amazing grace unfailing grace that saves my soul and grace unending grace unrelenting grace that won't let go you took our sin you took our stain you took our No shame. It's a reward. Eternal crown. The endless song. How sweet the sound of grace. Amazing grace. Unfailing grace that saves my soul. That one
3: Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ even before he made the world god loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes god decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. So we praise God for His glorious grace He has poured out on us, who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom from the blood of Jesus and forgave us.
0: Our sins. Amen. Hey, Louise, we throw verse 5 back up there again. Kind of read through that for a second. See if it hits you. God decided in advance to adopt you. Uh, You know, I think sometimes we feel lofty like, oh, he was cool with adopting, you know, Peter and Paul and those guys. But he decided in advance to adopt you guys, to adopt me. And then the last line is just stupid. It gave him great pleasure? Like, what kind of pleasure is God getting out of adopting me, out of adopting you? That should blow us away. Every time I read that, I'm just like, what? What is going on? This is crazy. This life that we get to live, this grace that we just sang, that's greater than our past, it's deeper than our pain, stronger than our sin. This God that decided in advance to bring us into his family. It's just mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. We're about to sing this song. I don't know why you love me, but you do. Like, why why would you get great pleasure out of us? But you do. I mean, it's right there. It's right there. And we can either take it for what it's worth or we can say, nah, not for me. But it's right there. I don't know what you do with it. So let's sing through this together.
1: love me but you do why you forgive me for the things that i do the foolish mistakes i make when i take my eyes off of you i don't know why you love me but you do I don't know why you carry all my shame Why you would freely come and die in my place Why you would walk my path or Why you would even look my way I don't know why you carry All my shame You loved me Before I knew you And you forgive me When I cry to you And so I thank you I lay my life before you me but you do you gave your life so i could live and so this life i freely give you gave your life so i could So why you love me but you do why you forgive me for the things that I do To do justice, to describe the glory that you are, I will stand before you in worship, and I will show you my heart. Oh, I lift my head yes i lift my voice to you yes i lift my hands oh i lift my voice And there's no other Who can stand next to your name You alone are worthy of all honor And all love I pray So I lift my head I lift my voice to you, yes, I lift my hands, why oh, I lift my voice to you, only to you, God, yes, I lift my hands, why oh, I lift my God, you are glorious, everything to me. Oh, and you are beautiful, wonderful, you're the everlasting God. You are glorious, everything to me. Oh, and you are beautiful, wonderful, you're the everlasting God. You are glorious. Everything to me. Oh, I lift my hands, I suddenly. I lift my hands. Oh, I lift my voice to you.
0: So God, we lift our hands, we lift our voices to you because you alone are worthy. Who can stand next to your name? All that you've done for us, all that you say that we are, Lord, you're so worthy. We worship you, God. We just ask that you'd open our hearts. Open our ears as we work our way through this, this Lord's Prayer that we've read a million times. God, open our hearts and our ears to hear what you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Amen. You may be seated. What? Man, I I know you know this, and I know Chad hates this, so I'm going to do it anyway. We are so blessed to have a psalmist that leads worship. I mean, he wrote most of those songs, and they're so right on. Except for the one where you, where you say, I don't know why you love me. I mean, you just answer that with the verse before because it makes him happy. You know, we have, we have made this. No, I, I, but you know, we've made this so much about heaven and hell, and, and it, certainly it is about God's condemnation. But do you realize that he's not just looking down at us today going, These poor suckers, they're going to be in trouble without me. I'm going to save them. But he actually wants a relationship with you. You. And he wants to fellowship with you, and he, and he And he likes to love you. You know, I I grew up in the church, as many of you did, and I hear about God loving me, and and that's, that's great. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from that. But I discovered as I studied the Scripture that God doesn't just love me. He actually likes me. He likes me. And if you have any question about whether or not you're unlikable to God, just look at Peter. I mean, that guy was a goofball. And God, Jesus spent time with him. He was constantly rebuking Jesus, and he spent time with him. He likes him. And I I just want to make it super clear this morning that if you are God's child, you are God's child not just so you won't go to hell, but because he really, really wants to fellowship with you. He likes you. He wants to hang out with you. Adam and Eve, after they sinned, God came down to walk with them in the cool of the day. Not because they had to and it was written in a contract, because he wanted to hang out with them. And that's what he wants with us. And I, I just can't say that enough. This, we, we meet in this room, and there's a lot of you here this morning and watching online, and, and you see it through cameras and this cool stuff that Jeff has put behind us. And, and I just want to say, this is not a program. This is, this is not, I mean, we have to put a program together. But this is about a relationship with God. I mean, it really, really, really is. And if all of this burns down, nothing's changed but our air-conditioned comfort. God is still present. He still loves us. He's still hanging with us. And he promises never to leave us nor forsake us. And that, that I, I want that to move your heart. And, and I know we live in a time, um, we live in a time of great discouragement and a time of just, it's just the news always seems like it's bad and there's always something else to worry about. Part of that, I think, is because we have a 24-hour news cycle and we're completely tuned in or we have social media and we have all this stuff. So much information we never had in the past. We just didn't have the information. So every day there's a new thing to worry about. And, and this morning's text really speaks to that. But I just, I just want to remind you that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, our shepherd still leads us. And we are, we are his, and he is guiding and directing, and there's hope. And, and as you look at culture and as you get frustrated with the world, I want to remind you that we, as he started this text, and I'll get to the text in a moment, we are the salt and light of the world. That's what Jesus called us, his followers. This wasn't just about getting saved and then just staying out of trouble. This was about us being salt and light of the world. And, and we need to also not just be out there ministering, the answer to abortion is not the government outlawing it, or sin is not the government outlawing it. It's the children of God living out their faith in such a way that the world wants Him. Seriously. That they're so attracted to our hope and our peace and our, our, our attitudes that they want to know why we're so different than everybody else. And sometimes I think we act like Him. We, we act like the world. And so I just want to encourage you that to, re- to remember that it is the fruit of the Spirit that witnesses to what God is doing in our life, not our loud voices. And, and also in lieu of that, that the answer to, um, and some of us are upset, some of you are upset about what's being taught in the public schools or what Disney's coming out with, the answer to that is not the law. The answer to that is us making sure that we are raising up the next generation who puts their hope in Jesus Christ alone. Right? We all believe that. You give towards that when you give, and we all invest. I mean, summer's crazy. We, we took the staff out to lunch, or you took the staff out to lunch this week because the busy summer's over. And uh, they all thanked me, and I said, your tithe dollars at work, thank you very much. We went to Pelican Point. I ate too much shrimp. But we went over there, and, and I was, we were talking, and um, man, we have phenomenal people who serve here. I mean, we had... I think Alicia was at a mission, went on a mission trip this summer, and then she was with, went to two or three camps, <laughs> That's, so she's burned out, so thank the Lord for that, we're looking for a new children's director, and but, but Adam, I think, went to three camps, and they did growth camp, and it's, it's a busy time, um, and uh, so be praying for them, but I also want to mention that something has happened, so if you're visiting with us this morning, we're so glad you're here, give me a moment, because this is when we meet as a family, and Watch online and different things. So I need to talk to our family for a second. I want to encourage you because some things have happened. As we get farther away from COVID, things are flushing out, and we're finding out how that's affected the church. And one of the ways it's affected the church is previous to COVID, we had a lot of seniors that were that were serving in our children's ministries, and many of them have had to go into hiding because of COVID. Some passed away. But I, I do want to say that we need a new generation of children's disciplers. That doesn't mean you have to teach. For some of you, it's going to be kid-hugging. And when I say that, it freaks people out. Let me, let me just say this. Yes, there's background checks, okay? But, <laughs> but we, need a, we need a new generation of young people and men and women that are willing to pour into our children's ministry. And I, I am so proud of those who serve. Uh, I mentioned a few months ago that Wednesday night, we were beginning to break it down because we have so many kids. We have so many children right now that our two-year-olds are having to be split. You are a very fruitful congregation. <laughs> We're proud of that. <laughs> but, but the problem is this, that, that you're busy and, and life is tiring. And so while we have a great core of ministers, they're serving in, in, in multiple areas, and they're tiring, uh, and we need help. I don't, I don't come to you and ask for help all the time, but I, I want to make you aware that our family right now needs help at our children's department and our, our, our leadership is a little freaked out because what are we going to do? And we may have to change some, some programming. So I'm letting you know that how we do ministry here, there's two ways we disciple our children here. Number one, in your homes. And we're going to focus on that this year. Where's Adam? We're going to do... Uh, Parent, we're going to do a conference this week, this uh, in October, about discipling at home, and I believe that we're going to be talking about that in the women's ministry too. Uh, what's the book called? Mama Bear, Mama Bear Apologetics. Ashley Jordan has been upset talking about this a lot. I'm just kidding, but we—that's the first—that—that that is the first line of defense. The answer, you guys, is not just turning off your TV. That's that's what they did when I was in school. And the problem was it didn't solve it. We've made jokes before. I'm not preaching yet, but I'll get there in a moment. Um, I, I've told you the joke before. We went to the Padre game as a kid that when a stripper ran across the, the field, a stripper, not a stripper, a... See, you knew. Ran across. My mom would hit me in the back of the head, and I'd see a lot of pink as my head went down. The best thing she could have done is let me look because I'd have thrown up all over. These are not pretty people. (laughs) The, The thing is, you guys, that our job, we are the exiles. We just came out of Peter. We are the exiles. And the antidote to the world is not to get the world to act like Christians. Seriously, the antidote to the world is to inoculate our children by teaching them the truth. This is where you amen, right? By teaching them the truth. This is the truth, honey. This is... Well, I, don't, you know, I want that. Well, you don't get everything you want. This is when we sacrifice. That's what we teach our children. And it's, it's 10 times more intense than even when my kids were growing up because you have you know, the, uh, you know, Instagram and everybody's trying to compete for beauty and all that stuff. So um, that's our first line of defense in your homes. And we're going to support you this year and try to train you in those areas. But the other way is here in church. And we have three significant times of ministry with our children. Sunday morning during this hour and David uh, and the Sullivan family's been doing that forever, and they're phenomenal in GPS. Then during the second hour, the 11 o'clock hour, uh, there is children's ministries going on during Bible studies, and it's not just the responsibility of parents, it's all of us. We need to jump in and volunteer. And then on Wednesday nights, we also have ministry going on. And I'm just telling you, and I'm not talking to those who who are already serving, I'm not saying serve harder, but there's plenty of us here where we need to serve. And so this is not to the visitors. This is for those who attend regularly. This is what we do. When you became a member, we talked about that. So, so jump in. Uh, overwhelm them with your presence <laughs> because we need people to help crowd control. And we call them kid huggers. And we need people to teach. And uh, man, it's so important. You, you, uh, the other thing <clears throat> I want to make aware. So that's the first thing I want to mention this morning. Second thing I wanted to mention to you is that another way that we impact society, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, is by our vote. So, so be planning to be involved. Be informed. I'm not saying you have to vote red or you b- vote blue. You can vote purple. Uh, pick and choose. Go vote. But you need to be actively involved, and you vote for the person whose value system best reflects the heaven, the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and, and we try to make that easy for you, and this morning between services or between Bible study and now, we're going to have somebody, uh, Sharon Kennedy's going to be out there, and uh, you can sign up to register to vote or you can change your address or whatever you need to do. But I, I want to make it clear to you that everything we do here, 99.999% is for the purpose of discipling the body of Christ and blessing our culture. And uh, so, so I just want to make you aware that as we come out of summer, I know you're busy. By the way, uh, educators, how you doing this week? Yeah, that was the laugh I expected right there. We're praying for you. We are praying for you. You are in the front line mission field. Your job primarily is not, and, and next week especially, because I think the kids start coming back next Monday. Am I right on that? This week you have some of you have kids? Okay, we'll take a moment and pray for you. Um, <laughs> good luck. on the, Okay, we're going to pray for you. And I know that the parents are harder than the kids. We, I, got a, I got an educator in my family now, and uh, we are supplying her with plenty of alcohol and drugs. And <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. It's hard. We know. It's hard. It is hard. You, did not, you signed up to teach people math. Well, guess what? You're raising a generation now. And while you can't teach them the Scripture out there, you can certainly live the fruit of the Spirit. And even with rude parents. <clears throat> so do it. And we're praying for you. And you need support, you let us know. You want to come up here and pray and spend some time alone with the Lord, you can come up here. But we are here to support you in that. And uh, how about our mission teams that came back last week? Did you survive this week? Isn't it hard to come home? I mean, it's when you've been away serving the Lord, it's real difficult to come home. So we prayed for you a lot this week, too. So let's pray, and then we're going to get into the message, which I've already been preaching for 15 minutes. So, Lord Jesus, we do love you, and we're so thankful that you love us. And I thank you that you even like being with us. That, that blows my mind. That's the question that Chad asked in the song. I, or, I don't know why you love me. And he smiles when we ask that question, go, because you're lovable. And we don't think we are. We look in the mirror and we see kind of frumpy people, and then, then we see our hearts, and we see what we, we offer publicly, and people see a smile and don't know our heart is bleeding because we're in a culture that's very, um, we, we try to present. We don't want to be a burden. And I get that, Lord, but we need your presence we need your encouragement. We need, your, 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 we need to experience you in a very spiritual way. And so I ask, Father, as we continue through your Word and as we continue to live for you and as our teachers and our, our, our bus drivers and our, our educators, administrators, as every one of these folks get back into their field, their mission field this week, Father, as they meet their kids, and it terrifies them. Lord Jesus, give them grace Give them supernatural power. You have set them in the places in which they are. And may they have strength for a time such as this. We love you. We're thankful that you called us here together today. So I pray you'd speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So after calling his followers the salt of the earth and the light of the world, Jesus asked his followers what good they are if they're not salty or lighty. You can use that word now. I'm making it up. He does. This is the context of the Lord's Prayer, which we don't talk about, and it's got to be significant because Matthew put it there. If you're not salty or lighty, what good are you? And then you remember the text because Jesus goes on to say, what good is it if you take a light and you put it underneath a lampshade or or, or, or you hide it? And he continues to talk about the standards of the judge, capital J-U-D-G-E, the judge, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who sent him, the father. And he explained to them that if you lust, the judge says you've committed adultery, to which their shoulders went, oh. And then he went on to say, if you hate, the judge who sent me considers you a murderer. And then they went, oh. And then he went on to say that we are not only to not do stuff, but we're to love our enemies in word and deed. And then it went, that's enough. You're asking way too much from us. I mean, this was right after the Beatitudes, which none of them measured up to, none of us measure up to. We're not meek, we're not humble. When we're humble, we're humble in a proud way. But we're not doing these things after this. Jesus is teaching them, after calling them his followers, after calling them the salt of the earth, and they must feel completely overwhelmed and frustrated in this conversation at God's unattainable expectations and standards, and he continues by saying this. He he, he immediately, within the context, talks about their relationship with God. And this is what he says in Matthew 6, verse 1. Watch out. Don't even do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you'll lose the reward from your Father in heaven. To which they went, oh, come on. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue in the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they'll ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand even know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. So pause for a second. Let's take a breath. This is very personal. We have not made up after the Reformation the idea of a personal relationship with God as opposed to religion. Jesus is preaching it. He's comparing religious, loud, cultural, and communal events with private, personal things. He's saying, even you're not only doing incorrectly what you think you are, you're proud that you're not an adulterer or murderer. I'm telling you that all those things have been blown out already. But on top of it, you kind of like affirmation. We all do. And he's saying, when you pray, pray in private. Verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Okay, pause. Pause for a second because I'm about to offend some of you. This is going to be an offensive message, so take a deep breath and measure out what's mark and what's crazy. It's okay if you don't agree with me, but I want you to think. When you read this and he starts talking about fasting and praying, he's very clear. Do it in private. He goes on to say that when you fast, that's taking time off from eating to commit yourself to prayer. When you do that, make sure that you take a shower, comb your hair, put your makeup on when you go out because you're not supposed to tell anybody you're fasting. You're not even supposed to tell anybody you're praying. And I think it's ironic, and I, I know all the reasons, and I'm not saying it's a, it's a wrong thing, but we do prayers and fast publicly. Churches plan together prayer, and what Jesus is saying to here is, that's not how I want you to pray. I want you to talk to me alone somebody posted this text of the lord's prayer online a couple weeks ago and said we need to get together and pray more to which i responded but the text says in private and their response was well yeah but it encourages me in public that's the problem Look, I get it. I, I'm not dogging this person. I don't remember who it was. It wasn't somebody from our church. I'm simply saying, but that is the problem. If the only time I pray is when I see value in it because everybody else is praying, then I'm missing the point, right? Prayer is a four-letter word that we use in the church, and every religion uses it, but we don't understand. It's just, it's just a non-religious words that mean communicating with the Creator. It's just us talking with our Heavenly Father, our Father in Heaven. That's all it is. So we don't have to do it all together. We don't have to pray over each other or with each other. You can do it alone in your home. I'm not saying it's bad to have a prayer meeting. I'm simply, the New Testament clearly has that. I'm simply saying that this is telling us that we don't pray like the hypocrites. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray... Don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Another thing that's happening today, and, and we've been talking about this, is we like to read books that teach us how to pray effectively, as if there's such a thing as a more effective prayer. When you talk to God, he chooses to answer or not to answer the way you want. The question isn't whether God hears your prayers as child. The question is, do you believe he has a bigger plan and you can trust him in it? When I buy a book that teaches me how to pray more effectively, I'm basically saying God isn't answering my prayer, so I need to find the right way to pray because I know that when I put that coin in the machine, I'm going to get the cookie I ordered. That's not God. God is holy and thinking and he's proper and he's perfect and he's got a plan, a big, huge plan. And the problem, okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. One of the things I've been telling you the past few weeks is I believe... That the idol, every, every culture, every community has an idol, a false god. And I believe the false god of the United States is self. And I believe it's creeping into the church. Well, how can you say that? Because I think when we actually tell each other, if you pray this way, God will answer your prayer. You're not seeking God, the sovereign, divine, holy one, to answer the best way. You want him to do what you want him to do. That's not him being God. That's you being God. That's self. Does that make logical sense or do I need to explain it more? When you and I say, God, you must, we have, we have, we have started, pray like this. Our Father, our, our Father. Jesus is saying that. Our Father, who's in heaven. May your name be kept holy. When, and this is the template prayer. This isn't how you pray. That would go against what Jesus just taught. This is a template prayer. So when we, when we go to talk to our heavenly father, Jesus wants us to know that we are his brothers as we go to him. Like he prays, we pray. Our father, who's in heaven, he's not like your earthly dad. He's present, but he's there. May your name be kept holy. That's what we've been talking about the last two weeks. He's holy. This isn't your daddy. This isn't your best friend. This isn't your, uh, your spiritual peace dog, God. What do they call it when you take an animal on a plane? What is that? Huh? Service. A, 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 a what? It's a service. service animal. He is not your personal service God. When, when things are going bad in your life, God's first priority is not necessarily to make you feel good about that bad thing. It's to let you know that he's holy. Yeah. That means complete. Got it all worked out. Which takes us to the next sentence. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And those are the two sentences I'm actually going to preach on when I get to the message this morning. <laughs> I was having lunch with a couple of pastor friends this week, and I do have friends. Um, <laughs> And uh, we, we had done eating and we had done some business. We're talking about mission work together. And one of the pastors says, I think you're the only guy in the community that can preach for an hour. And he was, he was bitter. It was ugly. It was sin. And I said, you've been watching. He goes, oh, I, I watch. I want to see how much you can get away with. He, he's evil. He's an evil guy, but we're praying for him. We're praying. Yep, Jacob's a good pastor at Denman, but I'm not going to out him. The, the thing is that, that we, when we pray, it's your kingdom come. That's what we're going to get to in a few moments. And then he goes on. He says, give us the food we need. So before we even get there, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but before we get to what we're praying about, because let's be honest, most of the time when we pray, we're, we've got something we want to talk to about, right? My cancer, my job, my frustration with my children that the pastor rabbit trails, whatever we're going to talk to him about, He's saying, before you get there, remember, he's your dad, so you can approach him. He's not unapproachable. He's our dad, even Jesus is including in that. He said, but remember, he's holy. So when we say things like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find out why we have mosquitoes. God's going, when you see me, I am going to blow your mind. Mosquitoes are going to be the last thing on your mind. He's to Keep his name holy. And then... May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then we can get to the, give us this day our, or the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from evil one. So Jesus has just finished. So let me jump, jump to it. Jesus has just finished telling them how off the mark they are, right? Within the context. How way off the mark they are. Then he tells them not only are they blatantly sinful, when they lust but don't commit adultery, then he says, and by the way, when you pray, when you fellowship with God, when you fast, do it in private, to which none of them probably did very much. So they're like, oh, you got to be kidding. Well, how do I fix that? And Jesus says, so pray. Talk to your Father. He's the one who forgives. Go back to your Savior. Just work it out with Him. And they must have been going, yeah, yeah, i got to pray about these things. But before you even get to the thing you want to pray about, don't forget that He's holy, that He is approachable, And that he's got a plan, and we should pray for it to come soon. And may his kingdom and his work be done on earth as it is in heaven, and then you can get to your stuff. And and while we look at this and we kind of jam through it, the truth is that probably is the most important part of our prayer because it sets our heart for what we're going to ask for. And I want to talk about that again. After our father in heaven may your name be kept holy he asked in verse 10 this is how you pray may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven two sentences that we often pray quickly as we work our way towards what we really want to talk to god about which he wants us to do jesus said bring all your burdens to me and i'm not taking that away he said bring your cares Cast all your cares upon him. I want to hear your concerns. So he's not saying don't bring them, but before we get to why we are praying, Jesus wants us to remember and declare that the true solution to our frustration, our pain, our tribulation, is his promised return and his rule. Okay. I, I, I want to make sure that everybody after Adam understood that because he just amen me. Good point. Sucking up is a great. The thing is that we, I don't know how to say this, and in this culture of self-worship that's crept into the church, we actually sort of think that we have a pretty good plan for God. This isn't new. The Jews did it after the Hebrews did it after they were on the Exodus. We, We don't really need to leave. We just need you to take our pain away. If you go back, and I learned that in Matthew's teaching on Tuesday morning, and I had to go back and study it. I didn't realize, but as the Hebrews were slaves of the Egyptians, they never once asked God to deliver them. They asked him to take their pain away. And on Wednesday nights, we've been looking at at some of where they lived, and they lived in the area of Goshen, and they had lots of greenery and lots of beautiful things there. Their life was pretty good. So when they go into the wilderness and they say, take us back to Egypt where our pots were full of food, they weren't being overly dramatic. They meant it. You see, when you follow God, He often takes you on a journey you don't expect. We like... The, uh, we like the, to get to from A to, to A to C is a direct line, and we want to skip B. But for God, B is here, and then it's down here, and over here, and it's a circle around it. I mean, He takes us on a long journey to get us there, and we go, "Why, God, do you do that?" And His answer is, "Because I'm God. I see things in ways you don't see them. I have the big picture in mind." And so, before we ask for our food and our sin to be forgiven. The first prayer is one of understanding that the ultimate solution to our problem, God, is you solving our problem. And how is that going to be solved? Heaven. His his reign, the millennial kingdom, seated on the throne. You know, may your kingdom come soon is actually how that book, you know, I I wish I had a Bible, but I, I do everything digital now. But it's how the book ends. After John, who walked out... Think about John's context for a moment. John had walked with Jesus for three years, right? So he lived with Jesus in physical form. Then he served after Jesus without his presence, but filled with the Holy Spirit like you and I. He saw visions of Jesus, which is what Revelation is all about. It's the revealing or the the revealing of Jesus. And after all of those experiences, twice as many as you and I could ever have if we had a lifetime full of experiences, he ends his book by saying Maranatha. Maranatha, which is Greek for come Lord Jesus, come soon. That's how it ends. That's the summary statement from the man who recorded the vision. So while he's watching all of the world burn, burn, through the tribulation period that you, that you generally know about and through the difficulty of injustice and the hate and the mark of the beast, the solution isn't to destroy the beast or take the people away that are evil or change the government. The solution, solution to John was, may your kingdom come soon, which is the same prayer Jesus prayed. And what's ironic is that's really what Jesus taught his followers all the time. That's actually what most of the, of, the, uh, of the epistles in the New Testament are about. Listen to Jesus teach from Matthew 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil, olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take extra, a long extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the, bridegrooms, uh, the bridesmaids got up and they prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. In other words, oh, you didn't plan? You weren't looking for his return? Hurry up and take care of that. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't even know you. Okay, so there's a lot of debate theologically. So you could lose your salvation, you could be a follower of Jesus, not have enough oil. That's not the point of this. The point of this is verse 13. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. So in other words, while you're working with those demon-possessed children... At Hurdy, you're keeping your eye on the sky. You're, the solution to your class's problem is not putting your hands around a small neck, or if you're not really mad, the neck of their parents, but actually, the Lord needs to come back. As you're watching the news, as we get closer to the election, and you want to put your hands around political necks, I want to make it clear that the solution to the sin problem of the world and the evil is not a political one, it's a spiritual one. If you come from a community that has been mistreated in this culture, the solution to your hope is not a better government, a more fair government, it's Jesus Christ as King on the throne. If you are frustrated that people are griping about your country... The answer is not to kill all the people who are dissatisfied or kick them out of the country. The answer is Jesus on the throne. we got to get back to that family or maybe get there for the first time. The solution to the problem of the followers of Jesus was, keep watch. I'm coming back. And listen to this teaching in Luke chapter 12. Jesus, don't be concerned about what to eat or what to drink. Don't worry about such things. So now he's talking personal here. This is where we live, especially inflation times, gas prices. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Verse 31, here it goes. What are we to do instead of worry about what to eat and drink? Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Now, notice it doesn't say don't be concerned with those things. It says first and foremost, remember God. So it doesn't mean we don't vote or we don't work or we don't try to discipline those kids or deal with their parents or train. It just means that above all else, we've got to remember that the only solution is the kingdom of God. This had never hit me. Just so you know that I'm not preaching as a guy who's got it all together. This only hit me a few years ago during COVID when Julie and I were talking or maybe right before COVID and I was sharing her frustration and over stuff and I'm learning about the history of our country, and I find it frustrating that we won't just admit that some things were ugly. It's like we're defending something that's indefensible at times, right? Even this last month, I find it frustrating. Just so you know, I am adamantly pro-life, and I am so glad that Roe versus Wade was overturned, but you realize that that doesn't make abortion illegal. And actually, we Christians, we should be about adopting more then. If we really want to do this, let's do it. If we think life is valuable, that includes the president and all the other people you don't like. That includes them. Back to the point, though. The solution is his return. And we should seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock. I love that. Jesus, hey, little sheep. I probably would have been a little set back on that. I'm sure Peter hated being called little flock where it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. I'm turning 56 this year. I know some of you are going, you're just a puppy. I, I don't know what happened between 30 and 56. I, uh, yeah, a lot happened, but it was super fast, Pam. I mean, I came to Carpenter's Way at 39. You have aged me. It's like a blink. And, and the older we get, the faster it gets. And you turn around, and, and one thing is true that God's goal for us is what happens next as well after we serve him on this life. Why? Because it, they answer to Chad's question, why do you love me like this? Because it gives him great happiness to give us the kingdom. It's almost like when we get to heaven, before you ask all those questions about mosquitoes and stuff you want to ask, he's going, to shh, shh, let me show you something. That gold. That gold, that's your apartment. I built that for you, that little room. And by the way, but, but I want to know about how you free will versus election. Let me show you. Let me show you a crystal sea with all those trout in there. Can I go fishing? No, you can't. Those are my trout. <laughs> and by the way, there's the tree of life. Come over here. Taste this. It's going to blow your mind how good it tastes. But I want to know about mosquitoes. I, I'm picking on that because Heather wrote something, and I think, she were griping about being a landing strip for bugs in the middle of the night. Is that right? "Me too, Heather. Me too. Those big wood roaches, It's like coming in for three times. I know, I have, a, I have a five head. It's huge. It's like, you have clearance on. it's so weird. And somebody said, "I don't understand these bugs when I get to heaven. No, you're not going to ask him. He's going to be so busy showing you around. And, and he's going to show you this and that and this and that. And, this. and at the end, he's going to go, and it's all yours. And you're going to say, but are there mosquitoes? <laughs> of course not. I get it. We're just, I'm just teasing with you. I don't want to embarrass Carol McNamee, but it's true. <laughs> We're just figuring this out. But look what, he's, what brings him joy. Yes, there's work to be done now. And that's why our prayer, when we're frustrated with Washington, D.C., or Hollywood, or Disney, or whatever makes you crazy, our prayer should be that of John. Come, Lord Jesus. Come back. Because even if we solve all the problems of today, Russia, and China, and everything else, there will be new problems tomorrow morning that I promise you Fox News and CNN will be selling you. Why? Because they make money telling you about the problems and making you mad. Trump will still be the best president ever in his own mind. And Biden still won't be able to read a teleprompter. (laughs) Okay, I just offended both. Do not text me that I'm right or left. I know where I stand. We've just got to start laughing at this. You realize, so the world says, you think you're better than us. No, I don't, but God is. I know he's better than you. He's our standard. He's our hope. That's why Jesus said, okay, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven uh, you know help us keep your name holy let us remember your sovereign and father what we really need and want is that your kingdom comes because that's the solution that's what julie has been telling me lately and now i get to tell her back when she starts getting anxiety the solution to your anxiety issue is jesus return seated on his throne family that's so true and that's what we've got to teach our kids we are not teaching our kids about a guy who got swallowed by a whale and burped up on the shore. We're teaching him that God loves Ninevites. Fish slapping Ninevites. Okay, my veggie tale friends. I wanted to know if anybody knew that. The rest of you, just mind your own business. We're having a moment. And the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was not about three guys going into a fire. And the story of of ten plagues is not about God having to really mess up the Egyptian culture before he could get them out of there. He could have taken them out any day. It's about God introducing himself. God working a plan. And you know what? If the only reason he did the ten plagues was to to save a prostitute in Jericho, it was worth it. Because Jesus is going, just watch. Watch my great-grandmother. Remember? Are you following me here? I know I'm speaking chronologically a little bit, but as Jesus is in heaven and as the plagues are going on and the angels are wondering and people are praying, Delivers, what's going on? Jesus is going, hold on. I'm not done teaching a Jericho prostitute about me because she's going to be my great-grandmother. Jesus did it because he wanted to introduce himself to a woman in Jericho. How good is our God? But I don't want pain. Here's the point. Luke 12. Where was I? Verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. So he's telling us to put our treasure there instead of here. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there are the desires of your heart will be also. But here's his point. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. And look what happens when he returns. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them. Now get this. The master's coming back. So the the parable is, the picture is that we are the servants of the master's house, running around, keeping the house clean while he apparently is away. Does that ever feel like that? You're going to go to school this week and teach, and you're going to drive in the community, you're going to get cut off in traffic, or somebody's going to pour iced tea on you, or some evil cop's going to pull you over because you were speeding. Bad things are going to happen, unfair things. But Jesus is going in all that. That was a joke, by the way. Nobody laughed. But but he's saying, you keep oil in your lamp, and you keep looking for the return of the master because he's coming back. That's where our eyes should be. Not the next election, not, not a better job, but in the next life. Be dressed for service. Keep your lamps burning. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them. So here's what's going to happen. Jesus, in what's coming next, is actually going to serve you. How insane is this? That the King of kings, the Holy One, our Father, is actually going to seat us, put on an apron, and serve us as we seat and eat. How weird is that going to be? Hey, Jesus, before the dessert, can you tell me about mosquitoes? I mean, seriously. And I'm picking, I'm picking on somebody right now because I love her. It's just how we live. I don't understand. And God is going, is that part of the equation? Just to remind you, I'm the Holy One, not you. I was here before you. I'll be here after you. I was here before the world was created. If you are worried about the world's atmosphere, I understand. It sure has been a hot summer here in East Texas. I know that I don't I don't know whether the icebergs are melting it depends which news broadcast you listen to. What I know is he was here when it started and he'll be here when it's done. So the answer to global warming is A, don't throw your trash out of the window, and B, put your hope in God. Cuz he's going to build all new heaven and earth that has no hole in the ozone. Unless there needs to be one for what we have. He's holy. That's why we pray, come, Jesus, come. And I, I just want to I, I put a sidebar on this. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you have never accepted his offer to forgive your sin, I say this with all due respect, none of this applies to you. This is as good as it gets for you. If you reject God's offer to adopt you into his family like Chad led us in music about this morning and highlighted the verse out of Ephesians chapter 1, if you reject that, and that is your right to reject it, if you reject it, I'm here to tell you that all the stuff I'm talking about is really none of your belief system and actually doesn't affect you. You are condemned and you will be on your own now and forever. You can pray till you're blue in the face that God makes your life easier. He's not going to listen to you. You're not his child. Well, that's not very nice. He's God. And he's made a way for you to be on his right side. Accept his offer to forgive you and adopt you into his family. Quit being pouty. If we could, I'll bet you if you sat 100 people in a room and separated them and didn't talk politics and you asked them, if you could ask one thing of a righteous holy God, what would you ask? You'd say, I'm not good enough. I just need you to forgive me. That's exactly what he's offering you. Stop it. This is as good as it gets for you if you are not his kid. That's got to stink. But child of God, this is as bad as it gets for us. Why do we keep wanting and trying and living to make it better? The truth is, our goal is to get his kingdom back. To get the righteous one, the just one on the throne. And by the way, to my, my Democratic-obsessed friends, my Republic-expressed friends, and I, I, I'm all about the government that we have been blessed with here in this country. Heaven is not a democracy. It's a theocracy where there's no questions allowed. If you don't want to be ruled by a benevolent, just, holy, wonderful God, don't claim to follow Him. It ain't your kingdom. In fact, I would argue, here we go, warning, I would argue that the American system actually sets up self-worship. As a child of God, you have given up the right for the personal pursuit of happiness for the service of the king. Well, that's not very nice. Then talk to God about it. We are not here to pursue happiness. We'll be happy during his second return, when when his kingdom comes. That's why he starts a prayer with that. May your kingdom come. And then he talks work. The next slide. May your will be done, and I know I'm jumping ahead. Louise, just stick with me here. Matthew 6.10. May your kingdom come soon, but while we wait patiently, trusting your plan, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know who prayed this prayer? In perfection? Jesus. Let me take you to Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went to the usual place, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. So now we know a little something. The disciples and Jesus often went to the Mount of Olives to hang out. But he went there as usual. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Pause, breath, that is huge. That is huge. And it's something we ignore the meaning of. Jesus, the man, fully God, fully man, the human part of him is going, I don't really want to die. Take this cup of suffering for me, please. If you're willing, take this cup of suffering. Lord, I was just diagnosed with cancer. Please cure me. Lord, my kids are out of control. Please, whatever. Lord, our government is out of control. Please. But look what he prays. Look what he prays next. Then an angel, uh, let's see. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that, he sweat, uh, that the sweat fell to the ground like great big drops of blood. So Jesus was sharing with his Father, our Father, what he wanted. No suffering. Can we skip the crucifixion thing? Save these people another way. But above what I want, I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, Father. So if your will is that I have to suffer to accomplish a better plan, I'm willing to sacrifice myself. That's what Jesus prayed in the garden. It's a summary, or it's a long version of may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You got a plan. I don't like the plan. May your will be done. If there's any way to do your will without doing it through me, okay. That's exactly what Jesus... Oh, hi, Carol. (laughs) You haven't left yet. (laughs) That's where we are. That's exactly what Jesus is praying. Your will be done, not mine. Even if it hurts me, but I don't want to hurt. That sounds like me. That sounds like us, friends. That's exactly what we pray. But Jesus really meant it. And I wonder sometimes if I'm willing to sacrifice my life for His will. Do I believe that God has a better plan than me? Do we believe that? If I do, I'm going to be much much less anxious. I'm not going to be mad at people who don't act the way I think they should act or God wants me to act because if they're not part of God's family, why should we judge them? By the way, I want to remind you that Scripture says we should not be judging those outside of the church, but we absolutely should be judging those inside of the church. So next time, that's uh, 1 Corinthians 5.12. So next time somebody says, don't judge me, you go, no, I I have to judge you unless you're not a believer. That's what we do. Because we're keeping each other focused on the answer being, may your kingdom come soon. Before we even ask for our daily bread, before we ask for him to forgive our sin, he wants us to remember that he's holy, that the answer is his kingdom, and he wants us to be willing to have his work done on earth just like it is in heaven. And by the way, that doesn't make us stand by watchers. It means we're the ones doing the work. That's what Jesus did. He didn't just go, okay, I'm glad you're going to save people. It's going to get really weird in Jerusalem, so just go ahead and do it. He actually said, I'll do it. Your kids will not be discipled by VeggieTales or by your prayer closet. Our kids will not be discipled because you give. We are not. We pay. I I think practically speaking, I think there's a paid person in every room for legal reasons but we're not going to have all paid staff in our children's ministry. Because we said together we're a family and we're going to disciple our children. So what will happen is if we don't choose to participate, we'll start shutting programs down. That's not a threat. If you don't give, we'll start shutting air conditioners down. That's what we have to do, right? I mean, that's not illogical. That's what you do at home, right? You put a fan out. Except our windows are real dark in here. I mean, I, I want you to understand that while it looks like a huge thing, the body of Christ is not this huge program that somebody gives millions of dollars to and you just get to benefit from it. The truth is you are either a giver in the body of Christ or you are a taker. And both we're both at times. Sometimes we need others to minister to us or, 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 or pour into our lives. But there are clearly times when we have to be pouring into other people's lives. If you want us to be a Bible-centered church, then be a Bible-centered follower of Jesus. If you want us to not be a political action committee, but a group of people filled with the Spirit for both Democrat, Republican, and independent parties, then be that person. If you think the world lacks love because of what's being on Facebook, then don't write unloving things on Facebook. You see, the world shouldn't act like Christ. We should. And that's what this prayer is asking us to do before we even get into everything else. Trust Him. He's the Holy One. And we're saying, may your, kingdom, may, may your kingdom come soon, because that's the solution. But while we're waiting, I pray, Father, that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what if my plan is to destroy America? Well, I don't like that plan, so let's go on to the next one. We pray like Jesus Lord, if there's any other way, don't let us be nuked by China. That's a good prayer, especially when it ends with, But not my will, yours be done. That's what that means right? That's the tough thing. We keep inflicting our own ideas as if they're the best ideas. We've got in this room, we've got doctors, we've got bus drivers, we've got pastors, we've got retired people, we've got moms who are burning out, we've got teachers with demon possessed children, we've got, we got insurance people charging way too much to cover us. I just looked at one and I'm looking away we got all these things. I'm just teasing with you guys this morning. I would never call somebody out from the pulpit. I'll text it or put it on Facebook. If we are so blessed and everybody thinks that their trial, their difficulty is, is big, huge, but not in light of God. If all of us commit to God's worth, His kingdom coming on earth like it is in heaven, we won't have a problem, you guys, with people for discipling children or students or adults Praying for each other, we're lifting each other up. And the truth is, the world will finally look at us. And and I believe that God's doing us a huge favor right now by having all these ministry people that we think are heroic falling. Because Christianity has become a show. Where we have these famous, super, they look good in skinny jeans, so I'm not going to make fun of that anymore. But the skinny jeans people, the great bands, the reason they're falling is because they're not real. It's like Instagram. You know, I, I've been, I don't have regular TV anymore, so I've been watching these tourism things. And one of the things that I like watching is these people who go to Disney all the time. They have annual pass, and They just walk through and they show you everything. Now I know I don't need to go there. But what cracks me up is, sometimes these tourist guides get in early, and they show you the Disney I remember as a kid. It was kind of empty if you got in early, and it was beautiful, and you could go in, and everybody was happy. And then all of a sudden, they show you the real picture today, and you can't get on a ride for less than an hour and a half unless you pay another $15. But then you need to pay another $50 for the watch that gets you onto the ride, and the fast pass, everybody gets that. But if you pay $10,000 more, you can actually have somebody give you a tour of Disney, a private tour for six hours, and you can go on any ride you want as many times as you want, and they'll get you on immediately. So for about $32,000, you can go to Disney for five days. This morning's message is brought to you by Teresa, who promotes, I'm just kidding, Teresa. I, I, it, look, it looks like a lot of fun. Some of you have been there, and you're in deep debt right now. But, but the truth is, the truth is, we are all dreaming a lie. The world is not going to become righteous. And if your president gets in office next time, or your people gets in Congress, I assure you, that the other side is going to try to put the other side in jail, and that's where we are right now. We are a banana republic. Why? Because Jesus told the Jews that if they put a king in power, he would reign unjustly. And we still think we're better than that, and I'm here to tell you the only one who's good is the king of kings. Your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the only way for that to happen is for him to come back. In the meantime, we must serve and sacrifice in the same way Jesus did. He was put on a cross. You're asked for a few hours a week to serve him wherever you go. When you're sitting down for lunch and you're exhausted and the waitress asks you to pray for her, pray for her. Ask her, what about? I don't want to do that. That's very personal. You're the temple It's four minutes to 11, which usually doesn't bother me. But do you understand what this is about? We haven't even got to help me with food. You see, we're supposed to live this upside-down kingdom in our marriages, in our church, and in our world. And I'm not saying don't vote for what you want or pray for what you want. I'm simply saying pray like Jesus. Now that I've asked for something, I want your will to be done and not mine. Come quickly. By the way, that's why we gather, because it's going to get super weirder out there. That's not a real word. And we got to come together on a regular basis and go, your kingdom come. His kingdom's the answer. It's the answer. It's the answer to cancer. It's the answer to injustice. It's the answer to racism. It's the answer to to envy over money. It's the answer. It's the answer to mosquitoes. It's the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. And he's not running for president of the United States this year or ever. He is the king. He's still seated on his throne. The question is, when is he going to send his army? I don't know, but I want to make sure that I have oil in my lamp so that I welcome him properly. Our Father who is in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. But while we wait, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And by the way, we need some food down here, and we'll talk about that next week. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word that never returns void. And Father, it's amazing when we, when we listen to your teaching and then we compare it with your actions, they're the same. And we have the perfect example of living out our faithfulness, living out a difficult life. Living out suffering. We, we want you to come back because that is the solution. Or we, we, we really want you to solve our problems so we don't have any. But the truth is that's not going to happen. So, Father, help us to bring your kingdom to this earth in our, how we behave, the kingdom values. May we be ambassadors of the king. Whether we have a good class. I know some of these teachers are going to have the best class this year they've ever had, and some are not. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak loudly to both groups. Father, for us and our needs in our children's department, I pray that you would help people to rise up and be willing to serve. I pray, Father, for our financial need that always exists, I pray that you would raise up those funds. And we will be good stewards of them, and we will make sure that we use them well until your return. And by the way, Lord, we are ready. So Maranatha, come back. We're ready. In the name of Jesus, we pray amen. Bible study is going to start in 10 minutes. If you're visiting with us, uh, my dad and my Karen will be at a table, the Carpenters Way table. Go meet them and fill out some information and get your questions answered. Love you guys.